0: Welcome to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode 17. 17. Closing in on 20, my friend. <laughs> uh, let's see. This week, we cover history segment. The Randall Model 18. Oh, dear uh. to my heart. Uh, we're going to glass over tech tips this week in the sake of brevity, but we do get to your Q&As. And in the news, I will tell you that Spider-Co is showing teeth to the big, mighty eBay. Stay tuned to find out what happened. brother from another mother and welcome back to you guys episode 17 little hiatus of behind the
1: blade podcast we are totally back and in full fury
0: fury raging fury (laughs) raging fury we needed this this is like (laughs) therapy for us to be honest with you it's been uh A heck of a week, and it was a week previous to that also, and it's a lot of good stuff, but that's also tempered with a little bit of uh, pain in the butt stuff. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We needed some air time with you guys, though. There's tons of stuff that we're like, oh, we should talk about this in the podcast. Oh, we should talk about this in the podcast. Right. And then but all of a sudden it gets pushed back and back and back as life gets in the way. (laughs) But we are here, and we have got some stuff to talk to you guys about.
1: All right, starting right off the bat, hey, Matt, where do you go for the Knife News?
0: KnifeNews.com, Jim.
1: <laughs> You'd have thought that would have been obvious by now. <laughs> knife news for knife people. Check out the news at www.knifenews.com And so I was browsing through it, and one particular article from July twenty fifth, which was during our little hiatus, there kind of uh, well, it was a little bit before, but kind of caught my eye. And um, this is something that every you know production company or custom maker really kind of you know has as a fear
0: in the back of their mind. Counterfeits. Oh, counterfeits. <laughs> I was worried about <laughs> gaps and glue and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's up to the background. Was there a gap in that it's handle? Like, did did yeah. I not flatten that one right? Some did cats I... get away with gapping the heck out of their handles. I don't know how oh, to do th-
1: we, yeah. we know some guys that have lots of gaps in their yeah. knives, and they have a fervent following. Yeah, that's crazy. Lots of <laughs> gaps. But <clears throat> but as far as counterfeits go, on July 25th, Knife News posted an article in SpiderCo is suing eBay over counterfeit knives. And not not that eBay is producing counterfeit Spyderco knives, but that eBay is not doing anything
0: to help out, help stem the flow, to stop this behavior. Right. I gotta move. I'm sorry, guys. It's gonna sound terrible. Well, actually, it's is a pretty good mic stand. That shouldn't it, have been too it's,
1: loud. It's not. It's not bad. It no. shouldn't. It shouldn't have. Shouldn't have done anything.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so Spyderco filed a lawsuit against
1: eBay, one of the largest e commerce retailers in the world the suit centers around the sale of fake spyderco knives on ebay.com and alleges five offenses including trademark infringement basically the gist of it is that is that spyderco has sent over 500 notices of claimed infringement or Whoa. knockies
0: Whoa. right ebay you should probably check your spam filter that's pretty serious <laughs> what they're saying right. that's
1: pretty pretty terrible yeah. By at least 300 individual ebay.com registered sellers identifying thousands of fake spider coat products. Ugh. So so these guys got onto eBay and and uh, eBay I'm sure doesn't have like a police force that looks for this stuff. But
0: Are you kidding me? If I was did- like, uh, let me think about this. I've done this before. I'll be selling a grip. A grip yeah. from an AR-15. Yeah. It's a grip. It doesn't shoot or have... It's not even pictured with the rest of the AR-15. It's it, just one picture. It was picture. Like an Ergo Grip or it was uh-huh. a Magpul Mo Grip or it was something like that. And I tried to put it on eBay to sell a grip. I mean, uh-huh. you, I mean you could use it as a shifter in a custom car if you <laughs> wanted to. And uh-huh. I put AR-15 Grip. Right. They booted it in minutes. They they almost closed my account for trying to sell weapons oh, components. Oh, man. So you can't tell me... That they don't have a police force that is just lurking <laughs> in the shadows. I, okay. I tell you what, try to list Switchblade, see what happens. <laughs> okay, touche, <No. coughs> touche. Oh, no, okay, I okay. okay. Your case, but no, it's I mean, all good. Yeah, that's the whole thing is, and I side with Spyderco, adamantly, vehemently on this. I'm gonna drop my plug myself. <laughs> right there. Uh, I side with them to the nth degree because there is a task force out there, uh-huh. and I'm sorry, they did they crack down on watches. You can't buy clone watches on there anymore. Oh, okay. so, like, so they're
1: already doing this so with other products.
0: knockoff Rolexes and Omega's gotcha. and stuff. You can't buy and sell knockoffs ah. if you do that. Now, what happens hmm. is, though, in eBay's defense is they are not experts at Spyderco knives. And the guys, and I'm sure gals, purveying these lifted models mm-hmm. are not being forthcoming and saying Spyderco clone. Right, they're saying that is a spider co knife, yeah, and so right. they do that, and as like a legitimate product, and it comes from Beijing, you know, and and nobody uh, let the buyer beware, honestly, truthfully, but if they are losing money, I think Spider has every right to sue the pants off of them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would, I would, I would agree. This is uh, this is not good for eBay. I mean, like the lawsuit alleges that eBay knowingly ignored the complaints of intellectual property infringement eBay cannot, quote, eBay cannot continue to enjoy the enormous profits derived from the proliferation of fake products sold on e- on the eBay website if the unauthorized sellers are excluded from selling their counterfeit goods. That's right. Right. Spider- now,
0: I don't mean to interrupt. No, but you're good. See, the other thing, yes, the onus is on eBay to not allow, I mean, no different than if we were to sell stolen stereos out of a pawn shop or something, you know what right. I mean? Like, you're, you're held liable for that mm-hmm. if you get caught. Well, it sounds like they got caught, but eBay's in a little bit of a world of hurt right now. Are they really? I have noticed, now I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about their stocks because let's face it, I don't care what the lampshade industry is doing right now, or what (laughs) the Crocs industry is doing. All I care about (laughs) is the knife industry. Mm -hmm. And I happen to know of all the groups on Facebook right now, Mm -hmm. it is taking a huge chunk out of the eBay sales. Right. And it's strange because the paradigm has shifted on prices of knives. So stuff that at one point you could go to eBay, and you could check completed listings. Let's use a SOG Desert Dagger, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, just like anything else, the market fluctuates. Sure. But you can go and check SOG Desert Dagger, uh, and now they're selling for like 180, whereas before they were selling for 300. However, people Mm -hmm. are selling them for a different price even still on the Facebook groups. So it's kind of a weird thing that's going on. The Facebook groups are a little bit more hand-to-hand, face-to-face, and I know who you are and you know who I am. Right. A little bit more honest pricing, no bid wars. So the market is mm-hmm. is changing, and I've noticed a lot of sales dropping off of eBay and being sold hand to hand just for Facebook, right, on Facebook Marketplace. Awesome that's.
1: That's interesting. I yeah. mean, uh, well, well, well. I think people would trust that more because that is more face to face, and like your personal account on Facebook is your personal account, right? I and mean, so so you're going to consciously or unconsciously try to do everything in your power to try to you know protect yourself from the powers that be from Facebook. Oh, right. And
0: and 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 be more honest. And there are shady cats, but mm-hmm. considering sure. how many transactions go down, I don't think it's. I mean, for the people who get burned, it's like lightning strike victims. You know what I mean? You're I, like, oh, I really feel bad for you, man. That uh-huh. sucks that some guy burns you for a three hundred dollar knife or whatever. Um, but you can normally tell when these cats are being weird, and you don't want to have to deal with them. But for all the transactions that are going down, I I think the odds are in the favor of upstanding citizens, like to your point, Jim, protecting their integrity and name yeah. because it is their name, you know. Associated uh,
1: with oh it. yeah, they have to they have to deal with it during their entire existence on Facebook. Right. I mean, so so they want they want to hang on to that. So so. Spyderco seeking some hefty numbers and uh, reparations, too. Uh-oh. I mean, they're... they're um, Spyderco seeks reparations including $2 million... $2 million per counterfeit mark per type of goods. Oh! Or services sold. Oh! Yeah. So...
0: And so that's per infraction?
1: It says per counterfeit mark per type of goods. So... So, so I, I'm guessing that that would translate as, like, if you had a fake Spyderco Delica, that's one mark, and then a fake Endura, per- Endura right. that's another mark. So, you're already up to four million at that point. I mean, and there were over 300 individually listed sellers that Spyderco, I guess, had identified, or, or somehow, somehow they got that number, right? So, I'm guessing that they have, like, an itemized list yes. of these sellers that sell fake Co things. And... And if eBay is cracking down on everybody else, and they're not cracking down on fake knives, it, it's not fair. Right. So, I mean, uh, I mean, at that point, at that point in the marketplace, is it really that different just because it's a knife? Of course, the answer is no. But you mean
0: the bastard children of, or, of manufacturing? Basically, is that who you're yeah. talking about, yeah, knife yeah, makers? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for you guys out there, you may not know this, but knife makers are not allowed to advertise on Facebook. We're not allowed to advertise really anywhere. In fact, they put us in the same category. As, I love that this is a thing, lawyers, prostitutes. Yep. Porn side, <laughs> stuff like that. It's unbelievable. Right. So, uh, like these the scourge of the earth. I know we have some lawyers out there, but it's still funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's not. It's not. We're not the ones writing Facebook right. policy. We're, and we're right knife there. makers. Yeah, yeah, gun makers uh-huh. and knife
0: makers. So they 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 think of us as dubious businessmen, and uh, they won't deal with us. So it's really right. hard to advertise. Yeah, uh,
1: just based upon the product and somebody sitting up in a chair who's never held anything other than their mom's paring knife. Right. You know. So, I mean. Uh, Nah, which is which is frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely a day where I'm where I'm very accusatory and angry. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so let's try to keep it light. Next door. Okay. Yeah. What are you carrying today, Jim? <laughs> hey, good question, man. Um, today today I'm carrying uh today I'm carrying my my mainstay loadout. I'm carrying my SDK. Nice. With and with a with a with a with a tiger lips thing with a, with the green with the green thing on there. I like Thank you.
0: Better than mine.
1: Do you? You want to yeah. trade?
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> was like, wait, I don't mean that <laughs> No, yeah. no That was awesome,
1: thank you again uh, John Belatis from Copus Designs and a, and a successful Kickstarter campaign That is not like an intended plug, I am legitimately carrying this And, it's, and legitimately saying thank you Yeah, legitimately <laughs> saying thank you It's awesome, it's really cool yeah, and it cool. I'm carrying a, for a belt knife, Ultralight Bushcrafter Imagine that as, as as normal um, That's, that's a smaller knife I, I have recently started carrying though a Boon 2, and I should have been carrying that today <sighs> Uh, so, so it's the first time. I know, I know. You guys are gonna balk, Jim. You've been making knives forever. How have you not got? How have, have you never ground a fuller before? Never did it for for whatever reason. Never ground a fuller before. But I had a boon 2, A customer had ordered a boon 2 with a polished fuller. He, he he didn't like the fact that the normal boon twos all of them have have a, have heat treat scale in them because we don't do anything to clean them up. It adds a little bit of contrast. Um, we smooth it out a little bit when it goes over the six hundred, but that's about it. He didn't like that one polished like old style wooden butchers and marbles and like the marbles ideal and everything he wanted it polished up. So I took it and I ground a fuller in it. That was very, is was a very nice, very nicely ground fuller. I thought it did a pretty good job. I thought it
0: looked hot. I mean, yeah. it, 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 excuse me guys. I just slapped <laughs> a huge mug of coffee. I'll be back in it in a minute, but uh, it's been a long day. Um, no, I thought it looked hot and not like, I thought it looked really good, Jim, for your first fuller. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked classic. <laughs> Thank you. you. know, I, yeah. it, I don't think it was like a Rolex, but I thought it right. was really good looking and strong looking and appealing to the eye. Like, I yeah. love that
1: knife. I, I do too, man. It really sexed up the whole knife for me. I mean, if, if it, it had would, a
0: brass guard, I would steal it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where'd my knife go? But... <laughs> But, uh, but but uh, he didn't like the knife. He didn't like the fuller. He actually sent it back to us and wanted a different knife with, with a little bit of a different fuller in it. So we ended up accommodating that and taking the knife back. And I went, you know what? I'm proud of that work. This is mine.
0: There, yeah, so, yeah, I, think, yeah, I think you earned it. And so, I think thank you. you're a lucky
1: guy for having it. So thank you. It's, it, it's cool. It's very cool. So I, I I dig that too. And of course, I'm carrying my, um, my Swiss Army knife Swiss tool.
0: Oh, yeah. The mirror polished Leatherman. The
1: mirror polished Leatherman, man. That's and so I awful. use the crap out of this every yeah. single day. Yeah, I use I it. I use it. And uh, everything from taking pins out of holes that are just stuck to, to, to chamfering something to just using it as a make sure, trimming make sure finger screwdriver. Fingernails, I've caught him trimming yeah, his fingernails I've, I've with fingernails Yeah, I've trimmed my fingernails with it. I mean, sometimes, well, I'm in karate now and I don't want to cut up palms. I agree. So. <laughs> I totally understand that. Yeah, I, I was super so. freak about trimming my nails in martial arts. That right. and shaving my feet. I have really hairy Shaved? feet. You have hobbit
0: feet? Oh my God. Matt has hobbit oh feet. Let God. this be known. I'll have to take, and I've got like, <laughs> The worst feet. Maybe that's why I'm so anti-foot in knife picture photos because I've got such ugly feet that I like, intentionally... It's a trigger for you. All you're right. just like, you're just like, Fuck those feet. Oh, bam. All right, timestamp. We got to edit that one all out. All right, all
1: right. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, what time is that? Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm totally going to duck that out. My uh, bad.
0: No, I look like <laughs> Olivia Newton-John doing an exercise video when I'm taking <laughs> knife photos. I'm doing like wide splits and leaning over. <laughs> Pushing my coccyx out, yeah. And so uh, that's a tailbone. Do for I need you guys. to bleep that yeah. one? No, too, that's a th- medical term. That's a me- okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's. Yeah. I've got terrible feet, and so yeah, I used to shave them for karate. <laughs> there you go, guys. Just,
1: that's all right. It's all right. I, I have. I have almost the opposite of that. Was um, I've got my gi, right? My ghee comes up a little high because I like it a little high. Because like, i the baldest feet you've ever seen. I, so, so the thing is, you're not wrong. I do. So I've got like this. <laughs> <laughs> so. But that's that's the point that I was getting to, right? So I've got my I've got like like the like the Italian Mediterranean hair suite oh, yeah. going on where we're like we're like we're like the the, the, the the line of chest hair that normally runs up men's bodies for me starts at the base of my neck and spreads out laterally and goes around my body and down.
0: Don't so like a like, prepubescent right? wookie. That's Seriously. what it looks like.
1: <laughs> Seriously. And then it goes all the way down to my ankles. Or it looks like I have skin socks covering the hair. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, well, yeah. I can't do anything with that. It's like somebody rubbed my feet with nair. Can't wait to see the comments <laughs> on this episode. Uh, so that's yeah. so just the first segment. We've got so much more. All right, so, so other news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll go back and we'll check that out. But yeah, but yeah, but anyway, eBay suing uh, or Spyderco is suing eBay over over uh, what what would you call that uh, non compliance in, in action in, oh yeah, yeah negligence in, negligence. Yeah, gross yeah. negligence it'd be gross negligence um, stopping it's not it, they don't specifically say negligence but it's copyright infringement notices yeah. of copyright infringement well they're, they're so,
0: acting uh, they are a party to sure. selling stolen ideas stolen Right. AP. right 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 now, right, uh, no that's I don't know cool that's Jim I don't, it doesn't matter what I'm carrying yeah,
1: I won't ah you're right <laughs> I'm sorry Matt <laughs> good sir good friend what edge weapons or tools are you carrying today
0: you know for a guy who hates slip joints i'm carrying two today <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what you're starting to turn on to slip joints though i mean i've seen you with them i mean i've seen you fingering mine eh, yeah. i still hate it yeah i, I mean <laughs> I,
0: even this one that i like a whole bunch i'm still like this <sighs> is so much easier a pm2 is so much easier to open um it is cool but i do carry the demo knife mm-hmm. every day so like i use this to do some fruit work on like some oranges and stuff the <laughs> other day I was like oh sweet and it is uh, stainless it doesn't patina but yeah so I got my demo knife I've got my Titiute uh great eastern cutlery mm-hmm. uh cigar with the cigar cougar claw not a moose not a moose right same same side same same side what do they called? right two same, blade jack
1: right same sides the two blade jack right. opposite no, sides man. With moose. the same blades is a
0: moose. moose, right? Gotcha. I uh, got my stout dropped, Hunter. But uh, I want tough. one of those, absolutely. Dude, it is hot. Oh no, I, no, I like this no. a lot. We
1: talked about this a couple of times, but yeah. it's entirely my card. The
0: guard's my card. The yeah, f- it is just, absolutely perfect. It's cool, but that's my Thomas. everyday. Like I carry that knife I, five out of seven days, yeah. guaranteed, automatic. But new acquisition. Oh, tell me about that beautiful, beautiful piece of metal. This, huh? Let you guys hear it. Listen. There you go. Ooh. Ooh.
1: Hang on. There you go. All right. So you Like a little,
0: little reverb of metal scraping against yeah. metal, the threads. Heard it here first, Seating. folks. I got myself a Randall Model 18. Stainless steel, knurled stainless grip, brass oblong cross guard, checkered brass, uh... What do you call it screw cap screw cap pommel yeah. pommel uh-huh. cap i guess i don't right, know with
1: o-ring right into a hollow handle huh? and
0: it's got the compass which is garbage by the way you're like oh here's a 500 knife and they ponied up like seven cents for the compass that was a little bit disheartening <laughs> uh, i think i might actually heat it up to break the epoxy or hot glue or whatever's holding it in and put in a better compass yeah not that you know
1: no, yeah, it's yeah. part of the experience yeah, yeah exactly i mean i don't think anybody's going to actually use that compass yeah
0: well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, but, it should be, you know <laughs> what I mean? You should, in uh-huh. the words of Robert Herbert of R&M Blades, made to use. That's his battle cry, and I feel like that should be the battle cry of every knife maker or purveyor. I don't care how fancy it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care how extravagant or ex- – I don't even care if it's engraved by a master. Yeah, if It should still work as a knife. Yeah. And it should still function as a knife, and any feature yeah. that you include in it, it yeah. should still – Possess yeah, but, the ability to perform that task. I, I totally agree. I,
1: I uh, while, while I totally understand the allure behind art knives, I also at the same time kind of don't appreciate it because it's not
0: functional. I mean, and and well, I mean, like if you had a Buster warensky art dagger, you could probably still kill somebody with it. Well, yeah, well,
1: because it's made to, made to use. You know that yeah. it, 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 there's not there's not some sort of a. Like I've seen like steampunk knives.
0: Before, oh, where you, right. Where, where do I hold it? Yeah. Right,
1: right, 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 right. Where, um, where the edge is actually separated and held in by brazed little tiny rocks. It's
0: pretty cool looking. It, it's awesome yeah. looking. It I really is was, It's cool. Uh, but oh, is that uh, oh, Van Barnett? Is that one of his Van Barnett? Van Barnett is that is that, so. the German
1: maker? I need it. no. He's, he's an American guy. Oh, is, it, is he? Is he? There's a German maker that does the same thing. And uh, well, I mean, Van
0: Barnett sounds pretty German. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. I don't Maybe, maybe, yeah. and
1: while it's very well made, and I totally think that whatever money they get for it is well deserved, um, I just feel like if I were to use it, I'd break it. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, uh, so, go, so, so it, it kind might. of shies me personally away from buying something like that. Yeah,
0: look, but I mean, it's. I, I totally agree. I, I mean, you mm-hmm. know me. I'm super pragmatic when yep. it comes to knives. However, Van's work is insane. All right, let me see. Insane. Oh, that's super detailed. Yeah. It's insane. Okay. Yep. So I think that does cross the line into art knife. You could probably open a box with it or something like that, but I definitely wouldn't take it camping. No, you, I you would know.
1: not. I would not take this camping. And they're
0: insanely expensive. Like, I want to say they're like in the tens of thousands. Is it really? Yeah. I, I mean, they're, I,
1: I can see that. I mean, I it, mean, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work put into that. Yeah.
0: I, I, and I'm, don't quote me on the tens of thousands. You guys are going to have to look it up. Look up the Van Barnett, a.k.i. Time Machine. That's an appropriate name. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, you guys out there listening, uh, that's V-A-N space B-A-R-N-E-T-T. With and two T's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look up the AKI time machine, uh, this is from 2013. I mean, it's a pretty astounding piece. And uh, even if you're of our same thought that art knives, eh, are they really nice, this thing will blow you away. Yeah. I mean, that's
1: insane. There's definitely some good work to it. Once again, reiterating the fact that whatever money they get for it is obviously well deserved because there's a lot of work put into it. But, um, yeah, pragmatism. So I think that wraps up that first segment. Oh, it's good to be
0: back, but that was a winded one. So we will be back in a moment. What's happening. All you behind the blade listeners have, I got some news for you. We're going to make this short and sweet but our friends over at KME are hooking us up. Have you heard <laughs> about this, Jim?
1: You know what? I did hear about this, Matt, and I, can't tell, I can not tell you that I've only been excited maybe once or twice in my life more than this. This
0: is a big one. So we've teamed up with KME Sharpeners, and when we reach 500 subscribers, which we're closing in on. We're closing in on yeah, that daily. When we reach 500 subscribers, KME has ponied up a full set like an entire package so I mean the entire KME (laughs) sharpener package it's going to include a sharpening system it's going to include some t-shirts some swag maybe some mystery items (laughs) but it is an entire package that they're saying hey we love Behind the Blade podcast and we love the listeners we want to hook them up all we need is for you guys to spread the word. So please, 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 put us out to all your knife-loving friends and family, and let's get to 500 subscribers. Jim, tell them how to subscribe. They can go right to iTunes. Hit that
1: subscribe. You can go to you can you can go right into Google. Behind the Blade Podcast. Dot, Behind the Blade Podcast. iTunes it takes you right to the iTunes page. You go into iTunes. You hit that subscribe button. You don't like iTunes? You can go right to Google Play. You can do the same thing there. Or on any podcast aggregator, like Podcast Addict or, or CastBox on Android, you can go right there and hit the subscribe button. All of that filters back to us. There you go. All of it does, and it's great. Or you can go to SoundCloud.com slash podcast and hit that follow button. You can go to Stitcher and do the same thing. Stitcher.com, find us on there, hit the follow button there as well. And all of that comes right back to us, and we could not thank you guys enough for it. And and four, to reward you guys, as Matt said, KME's giving us, basically, they're making you a KME prince, and you're going to get your own little mini barony. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> <For> sharpening. <laughs> you're going to be prince of the KME sharpeners, and we will be your heralds. That's right. It's, there you go. Yeah, it's used yes.
0: a bunch of terminology that I'm not even familiar with. Um, in addition to that, KME's got some big news. They're they're signing this week, or they signed last week. They are getting a facility four times larger than what they're currently I didn't in. hear about this at yeah, all. Yeah, I just, like, I just oh. talked to the guys over there today right before the show just to kind of see what was cracking. And they are really moving up in the world. So in order to match the demand and bring you guys the best sharpeners available on the market for the working man or for somebody who wants a ridiculously sharp mirror polished edge on something, either way any end of the spectrum you're good to go they are building a huge are they buying a huge facility to support your needs so i recommend checking them out follow them on instagram and on facebook i'm sure they will have some updates mm-hmm. and some pictures of the new facility yep.
1: subscribe to their youtube channel youtube channel to youtube youtube.com slash sharpeners there you go yep
0: Okay, so we got to make this pretty quick. We're on a little bit of a time crunch, but there's a lot of information for just one thing. Today, in the Behind the Blade podcast history segment, we are going to cover one knife, one, one knife specifically. It has origins that date back, as far as my research goes. I'm sure some snarky individual will be like, actually, there were hollow handled knives in 300 BC. But the truth of the matter is, on a commercial level, hollow handled knives really started with case in the 40s. Right. Which yeah. is crazy.
1: Yeah, that yeah. was um. Which 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 knife was that? The case
0: the, survival the, knife. Case I, saw, survival I mean, knife. it was there yeah. weren't very many of them made. They had aluminum pommel, and so that's that's kind of the genesis of the style. And again, in a commercial capacity, and then that was of course followed up with. And I mean, you can't even find them like they're hens teeth. Like they're they're pretty rare. Really? I mean, yeah. Those those case survival knives. It's interesting. Um. Then they were followed up by numerous makers. Obviously, Jimmy Lyle propelling it into fame. Uh, along with uh, Gil Hibben in the Rambo era, although that was Lyle's design. <laughs> um, and then what was, let's see, Chris Reeve was a huge innovator in that. Yeah, he had some
1: too. Yep. Because he
0: did the, the full billet builds, you know, so that was kind of cool. But we're talking about the Randall Model 18, yep. which really began in 1963. So so th- they're, they're 20
1: years after the introduction of hollow-handled knives, but yeah. they did a
0: damn good job. Garcia is another one. I want to get my hands on a Garcia real Ooh. bad. It looks like a Kudo Misa with a stack leather, handle and <laughs> How, it's hollow are you are you claiming that that's where, where some influence is from i think inadvertently i think, so. oh, I, awesome. I think absolutely there was uh-huh. that in the bianchi and they shared a blade and somebody pointed it out to me years later and i was like no kidding i hadn't even seen him in years or whatever but obviously the influence stayed there i mean you can't right? brain dump you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but it wasn't conscious you know it wasn't uh but the garcia hollow handle knife that was actually uh bill moran bought like a hundred garcias Really, For tr- troops, let me get this right, for troops that he couldn't fill orders for in time, this is uh-huh. Bill Moran. Right. Blacksmith, bladesmith. Right. He bought like 100 of the Garcia knives and we're sending them to troops that had orders on the books to get them by until they could get their knife.
1: Nice. Which I thought was
0: a stand up thing to do. That's I thought amazing that was thing to do. really cool. So, uh, let's bang this out. This is taken. Now I've read this whole article and I'm going to read it to you guys and do my usual thing, but this is from the book Randall Made Knives, The History of the Man and the Blades, written by Robert L. Gaddis. And nice. this is a real tome. It's a rare book. It's on loan to me and I've been I've had a hell of a time giving it back cuz it's I just keep learning more and more and more <laughs> the more I read. Uh, so, um on January eighth, nineteen sixty-three, Bo received a nice. Bo Randall, by the way, received a nicely typed letter from Captain George W. Ingram, Medical Corps, United States Army. He was then with the ninety-fourth Medical Detachment and flew about Vietnam in old CH twenty-one Charlie helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, let him tell a story by quoting from uh, the letter that Bo received and kept filed away. So one thing that was interesting and it makes this book very interesting is that Bo Randall was a meticulous record keeper. So everything from okay. his invoices for buffing media and mm-hmm. like every, you know, paper that he ever received, he filed it all away and kept it. And so after his passing, uh, you know, everyone was able to go back. This book was written like 1990. They were able mm-hmm. to go back and go through his records and get this chronological order of the birth of all these designs. That's interesting. Very cool. That's cool. And so I thought that was super neat. Huh? Um, Basically, uh, and I'll give you a synopsis of this letter from Ingram. Actually, it's pretty short. I'm just going to read it to you because it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, this is in the words of Captain Ingram. I recently found a copy of your catalog here and began to cogitate on a knife especially designed for helicopter pilots and crew members here in Vietnam. Our problem is, in case of going down in the jungle, quite a large one as far as survival is concerned, most of the men carry issue survival knives, various types of commercial knives, etc., an airman going down in the jungle here has the problem first of getting out of the aircraft, then of constructing shelter and finding water, possibly hand-to-hand combat. Virtually all of the deep jungle is infested with communist guerrilla troops, <laughs> and finally signaling rescue aircraft, which some come to search, uh, which come to search for him. I believe that the knife best suited to this task would be a somewhat radical modification of your Model 14 attack. You guys will have to look up the 14 attack, but it was. Uh, arguably one of the best I, designs ever put out. I can Bob see Adel. the
1: influence right now. Yeah, oh, of
0: course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, on top of the blade, saw teeth should be cut or filed to cut aluminum, plexiglass, etc., and in freezing personnel and freeing personnel from aircraft wreckage. I have seen one knife with this feature in the possession of an air force pilot here. Second, the quarter-inch brass guard could be extended to form a full half-circle to serve as a knuckle-duster for close (laughs) combat. (laughs) Combat. You guys may not have seen a Randall because that never made it beyond the drawing board. And so with that (laughs) D-guard. Gotcha. um, The trickiest part of the modification would be the handle. I have illustrated the handle in the enclosure, and you will note that it features a screw-on butt plate, hollow handle of brass or copper pipe, silver-soldered or brazed to the tang of the knife blade. The compartments in the handle would be used for matches, water purification tablets, dexedrine pills, essential if an exhausted man is faced with a short-term demand for quick reactions and increased strength, and possibly Demerol tablets for severe burns, etc. Leather rings could be sandwiched in the usual manner for the grip, and a sheath similar to the Model C or the Model C as illustrated should be used. Probably, as in any case with amateurs in any field, I have asked for some features which are impossible to build or being built, would seriously impair the usefulness of the knife blade itself. The most important part, why all of these features in the knife alone? An aircraft accident is a fast-moving thing. There is no chance for people to grab for survival kits, boxes of rations, weapons, etc. Between the time the plane or copter hits the fire, even if there is no fire immediately, no one is foolish enough to go waste time hunting through the wreckage for his survival gear when the gas tank may explode at any minute." By the same token, a crewman pinned in the wreckage can often be freed easily if the proper tool can be found to pry the canopy, saw sheet metal, usually soft aluminum, and cut straps of harnesses free. By having the knife strapped around one's waist, all of these problems would be solved. Let me know what you think of the design and what it would cost to produce using your usual method of hand-making individual blades. Interesting. <laughs> That's the letter from Captain <clears throat> That's so,
1: awesome. That's cool. All and right? that
0: letter turned into... The Model 18. The Model 18, which yeah. is one of the most... Famous Randalls. I mean, you look through all the vintage knife books mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, every I uh, I just got this amazing book from Tom Crine and I was thumbing through it and boom, there's a Randall eighteen stuck in a lock. <laughs> you know, it's every book I have has got a Randall eighteen in it somewhere. So it's one of the most recognizable mm-hmm. prolific models next to the one and the fourteen.
1: That's awesome. Right? Yeah.
0: So uh that came from this guy this helicopter
1: pilot <laughs> just the, the helicopter pilot was the was the impetus for yeah, the whole thing that's, that's awesome isn't that cool that's cool no i love i love i love influenced and inspired designs oh my god and, and, and then uh, it be... carries on for
0: decades oh yeah absolutely
1: absolutely um, yeah, very cool
0: originally they had a the tang ran the full length of the handle mm-hmm. and so if you can picture it it'd be divided into two compartments yeah yeah like is... a left and a right around the tang yeah exactly yeah. so that idea obviously was shortly dropped once mm-hmm. they figured out how to conquer that The saw teeth was kind of a big deal. So I I won't read directly from the book, but I can tell you basically what it's going to say. Uh, Bo told him no. He said we can't do the teeth. He's like, I don't have any method to do it. And, you know, they kind (laughs) of scratched their head. And one day driving out to the family farm, Mm -hmm. Bo and Gary said they had that eureka moment. Right. Like, that's how we could do it. Yep. And they went back and did it. And Bo cut a trash can, a metal trash can back in the 60s.
1: Oh, really? With, With the saw teeth in the back of one of those? That's saw awesome. teeth like that, and right. to
0: prove that you could extricate yourself from a downed uh chopper or aircraft of any type, right. With thin skin. pierce, pierce starts sawing, yeah. Gotcha. yeah, which is pretty impressive. I mean, a, a, a galvanized steel trash can is going to be more durable than uh, that, aluminum skin on right. a plate, so, so it should so. be able to sail through the aluminum skin if he was able to, yeah,
1: absolutely, very yes.
0: cool. <clears throat> So, uh, you know, I just kind of gave you the brief synopsis of Bo rising to the occasion and meeting the challenge of the serrations on the spine. Mm -hmm. And then uh, here we go. I'm going to jump into another interesting thing. Uh, So actually, I'm going to skip this so we can get to this is really cool. If you guys want, um, hit me up and I can just take a snapshot of the letter Mm -hmm. and you guys can read that on your own time. But I'm not going to copy the whole book. So I would like to cover a couple more points in there that I thought were interesting. Originally, they had crutch tips on the bottom. Crutch Oh, oh, like like literally, literally it. the tip of a crutch. Okay. The okay. rubber white rubber cap uh-huh. that went on a crutch, and the first ones you'll see were white. Uh-huh. Uh subsequently they be were they were black, but right. the original ones were white rubber. What was know? the
1: what was the point of the It
0: was a watertight seal. So okay. they couldn't figure out how to thread the inside. I'm assuming they were shy mm-hmm. on lathes sure, because they yeah. basically bought pipe cut it crimped it braised mm. it and then you know on and on it went right and so but they used a crutch tip on the first batch on the first batches and you can even still find them with crutch tips on there uh and that was the watertight seal which they said was huh. sufficient not my favorite kind of atrocious looking but you know it, it worked and right. it served a purpose sure and that capped off nicely your uh, survival kit inside in a watertight enclosure. Mm -hmm. Um, Another interesting point is a lot of the stainless blades were made in Zolingen at the time. Were they really? Yes. And there was a huge demand for the Zolingen blades Mm -hmm. uh, because of the jungle atmosphere and they wanted the stainless instead of the uh, high carbon 01 that they were using domestically.
1: Rust, if you look at it wrong, and then Oh my goodness, yes. uh,
0: Which I I thought that was kind of cool. So eventually, obviously, they came back with the knurled, threaded screw cap as they bought a lathe and all Mm -hmm. that stuff like that. Um, And the
1: O-ring, of course, so no more crutch tip. Yes. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And this was, again, in answer to... Okay, so I think that covers... This was in answer to the Astro, uh, the Model 17. Model 17 was Astro by Gordon Cooper. Yes. uh, Designed by Gordon Cooper. For the
1: astronauts, right? Yep. uh, Yep. The Mercury Mm -hmm. missions and all that. Yeah, And uh,
0: that had a hollow handle, too. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. That's interesting. Those scales come off. Yeah, really. And there's a little screwdriver that comes with it that Bo didn't want to have entangled with the helicopter pilots. There's a little screwdriver that used to take the handles off, and your survival kit goes inside of a skeletonized tank. Right, right. On the Astro.
1: That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I had I had to Google it to find out specifically which one it was, but it, but it had a square handle. Yes. just a square handle. It was like an
0: octagon almost. It was a really <coughs> right. yeah. So it was heavily chamfered. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you were to look at cross section of it. But yeah. It's just oh like no, a I, I can see it right bar. here. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yep. Very cool. But but inside of that, in between the two scales, was it was an empty space where they sorted stuff. Where they sorted stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Skeleton. Very cool. Thing.
0: And so, pretty revolutionary for the time. Not very convenient. And that was in the earlier 60s, like <laughs> 50s, if I'm not mistaken. So
1: brand new things are typically very rarely
0: convenient. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> until until they're innovated later. So. Uh, <clears throat> bur- dur- dur- dur. Yeah, if you can believe this, 28.50, 28.50 a piece. The 18s were back in the day. Which was $28? big money, $28 and 50 cents. And they were griping about it Oh and, my goodness, and they talk yeah. about it now. You know, I read this great thing and, and then we'll, I think we're pretty close to time on this one. Um, I read mm-hmm. this great thing in a book and I want to say it was Bob Lovelace's words, but basically the gist of it was uh, from the beginning of time, uh, men were, they'd have no problem poning up two weeks salary on a good knife. So mm-hmm. that's back to pioneer days. Yeah. Frontier days. Yeah. You know, it was typically two weeks salary is what you paid for, for your knife. Right. So, I mean, if you look at that in today's market, I mean, holy cow. I mean, you're, I mean you could get a Buku knife, but that was what these guys <laughs> would spend and use from the beginning of time. Right. So the concept of that's a interesting. $400 knife at this point in time, I mean, that might be one week's salary for some people or maybe, you know, less obviously Mm -hmm. for others, but or more than others still. Right. So, but I mean, 400 bucks on a knife or a tool that you can really use. And we're not talking art knives, but a really useful tool. I mean, it's within the scope of reality.
1: Well, I would just say if you were to keep that, if you were to keep that same idea, then we're actually getting a deal on the knives that we're with now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. And so So. uh, kind of kind of cool. Uh, There was one more thing that I wanted to go over. It had to do with the... There we go. So during these early years of the Vietnam War, the Model 14 attack, Randall's heavy-duty style military knife, was gaining slowly on the sales figures of the old faithful Model 1. Also, the hollow-handle survival Model 18 enjoyed almost equal popularity with the number 14 after the 18's formal introduction in 1963. During this time, military men, both overseas and within the United States, purchased an interesting variety of offerings from the 15th and 16th printing catalogs. Interesting. So, uh, basically, they go on to say uh, that the 14 ended up beating the one, and the 18 was running in second place. So I, I, it was just, it really, it took off right away. That's awesome. Very, very sexy
1: looking knife, though. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, just a cool yeah. piece of history. No, you know? it's very cool. I think, uh, yeah, I would I would say that I probably need a Randall at some point. I was looking at the Randall Model 3. Yes. The seven-inch model three for that because that's probably my favorite one, but that's really nice. Yeah, three It's are really cool. cool. No, no, I mean the eighteen. Oh, the yeah, 18. the 18's really cool. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah I uh-huh. mean,
0: and it's just so iconic. I actually like my fourteen sawback. Yeah, better. Okay, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. think I was going to sell it. I was actually going to trade it for a watch. <laughs> and and well, then after handling it, I was like, you know what? I still like the fourteen, so I'm going to hang on to the eighteen too. But I, I, I don't know. Probably <laughs> I need a one, but I have a blackjack. It, yeah, and I, I'm like, do I really? Yeah, I, it's I a, it's the same knife. knife. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> so, yeah. so so there's your history lesson, gang. I hope you appreciate it. I hope it also wasn't too rushed, but uh, I had a lot of information to cram into a very short period of time. I, th- I thought it was good.
1: I thought it hit the sweet spot good. for a good amount pot- of information. Cool. Thanks. We'll see you guys in a bit.
0: Jim, this morning I was drinking my obligatory cup of coffee out of my Tom Crine gigantic things like a coffee stein.
1: It's like a stein. Yeah, for, for the morning.
0: I've got one of those too. It's really beautiful. And every time I drink out of that mug, I think to myself, self. You better bring your grinding game because Tom Crine is looking you in the face from this mug right now. (laughs) He's one of the best freehand grinders out there today.
1: Oh my God. When you showed me an example of one of his grinds, my mind was blown away. This guy's really got some talent behind
0: him. He does. (laughs) And uh, he's just somebody I look up to quite a bit. He's a big friend of the podcast, which we really appreciate. And we invite all of you guys to go check out Tom Crine. That's K-R-E-I-N on Facebook. He's on Instagram also, but his group crying knives, if I'm not mistaken, let's see. Yep. Crying knives group. Check that place out because he does a lot of Lottos. Now he's booked up. I don't think he's taking custom orders at this time, but he does a lot of Lottos. He does a lot of, uh, some pretty cool stuff. He does. uh, I don't remember what it's called, but you can, he'll put up like a blade, Mm-hmm. And it's like dealer's choice. So if you right. win the lotto, then you get to choose your handle materials, blade finish, right. grinds and everything. Right. He you gives know. you a list of options and yeah. you assemble
1: your knife based on this list of options. Kind and of Tom Crine
0: cool. himself makes it yeah. according to your specifications. Very cool guy too. And like I said, a supporter of the podcast So we invite you guys to go show him some support. And he's just a great guy and a wellspring of knowledge. He's got some deep historical roots going back to the Morseth brand. And even uh, Bob Dozier is uh, oh. his mentor and close friend. So oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so it's pretty cool. So I, again, uh, Tom Crine knives, Please go check him out. Thanks.
1: www.cryingknives.net
0: And we're back. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Just like that. (laughs) Yeah. I was walking down here and I let a little toot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're chuckling about that still. Yeah. We, we just we just come back from a little, you know, halftime break and, uh, and, and we're ready to go. go. And, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, a little... It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still funny. Yeah. So, so... So uh, we're right into Q&A's. This is our absolute favorite segment uh, for you guys. We decided to skip tech tips this week because this is a midweek episode. It's a little bit atypical of our release schedule, but we really needed to get out another episode. We have one hell of a tech tip planned for this Thursday when we record again. We do. So,
0: yeah, Trench Crew, take note. Uh, We've got a good one. We're going to be covering... Uh, pretty much everything from concept drawing to a finished blank. So a blank ready for surface treatment and then ultimately bevels. So there's a lot of different ways to do this. Uh, Jim and I have our own ways, so we've got a little bit of banter on that. Um, but we didn't want to shortchange you this episode and we are on somewhat of a time crunch, but we didn't want to leave you guys hanging without an episode from last week. So bear with us. We will definitely make it worth it come either Thursday or Saturday, whichever yep, it is. Yeah, so. whichever one it
1: is. It's yeah. uh, definitely this week and coming straight to your ear holes. That's it. So so we got the questions left over from... From the past um, couple weeks, we have more stuff that came in since the last episode, and we have um, one or, one older question. We'll go ahead and start with the oldest question first. This is from Luke Hagen. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. I've been listening since the beginning. I have a question about the KME sharpener. Do you have any experience with the convexing rod? Would you recommend it for sharpening Bark River knives, i.e. Bravo 1.25, Aurora, and Scandivexes like the ULB? And I imagine... In in the vein of this, but that would also include Faulknevens. It would include Rockstead. It would include uh, what, what's another company that convexes?
0: I don't know. I stop at Faulkneven and Park River. Okay, that's my own ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Bill Morans. Bill Morans. Yeah, <laughs> those are convexes. Yeah, yep, yeah. definitely. You can definitely see. If you see want that. to take a KME to a several thousand dollar knife, then yep. uh, yeah. you go right ahead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, um, but um, in 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 short, the answer, um, is yes. And also, no. So it totally depends. And I say no because it depends on what you particularly use. You can't just grab one of the stones and use the convexing rod because, because while, while the edge that you do put on there is convexed, it's not going to flow into the same, into the same geometry that's on a Bark River or fog,
0: even. Right. Now, in that same vein, there are some tutorials on YouTube. From, uh, k- from KME's, what's KME's k- channel?
1: KME's, KME Sharpener's channel is youtube.com slash KME
0: Sharpener's. There you go. So you can check that out, but to Jim's point, you can, you can use the convexing rod, but it, it takes a little bit of finesse with the stones that are currently available, but mm-hmm. you can achieve a convex Oh yeah, edge.
1: no, it's totally possible. Um, it's even, but it is, and it is possible to maintain, um, a Bark River edge. Uh, can we, can we talk about this?
0: I actually, I talked to Jake over at KME just yeah. to get the green light so we okay. can talk a little bit about it, okay. but yes.
1: A little bit about it. I'll, I'll
0: scream if you cross okay. we'll it, I'll it. redact it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We should come redact over with okay. so yeah. <laughs> Okay.
1: So, so, so the trick to convexing is actually, so, so when you're putting in a hard line in a knife or you're following an edge that like a secondary bevel that's already been made by a manufacturer, you take your KME and you actually nestle it into that edge first so that the edge itself does kind of bite the stone, but you want to match that angle, whatever that is. Lock down your KME. I'm, I guarantee you that it's going to be the same on both sides, and start sharpening away. the 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 strength of what you're using in that is that the stone itself is very hard, and and has no give to it. Maintaining a good convex edge requires give. Right. So so. So that's why years ago, I mean the the first time I was ever introduced to something like this on hand on hand maintaining convex edges outside of machines, I was like 16 or so was sandpaper on a mouse pad. So <clears throat> what you can do on a KME is is do you have if you have the leather straps, you can actually take a little bit of sandpaper, probably Rhino wet or something else, cut the strips to the right size, fold it around that, and then and then use that as your stone. So the leather is actually giving away a little bit. And then you would use the same method as you would normally sharpening a convex blade, as in you take your. And I'm talking about like if your edge is flat at this point. So we're going super extreme. But what you would normally do on a convex edge, if flat, a flat
0: edge, you mean like blunt, like
1: blunt, not sharp, right? Blunt, not sharp, not just dull. Where it just needs like a touch up. Right. But 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 that. And I'm starting way back here because you eventually come to that. You need to. And you need to refine it anyway. So if if your edge is totally blunt, you would actually take the KME, lay it on the heel. And that's using the convex rod, right? Using the convex rod. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, convex rod 100% of this whole time. You would actually push it back up onto the edge and you would change your angle right up until it just barely catches it. That's how you know you have your edge. Lock yourself down. And then use the KME like normal. There you go. So, I mean, because what will happen is the the, the substrate, which, which at this point is leather, will give a little bit, f- causing the sandpaper to actually flow over the edge. So you're not establishing any hard lines at all. You're maintaining your edge and you are sharpening. So just use it like normal. But um, I I really don't think that you should go into it. You really should just kind of go backwards if you're just using sandpaper. Yeah,
0: otherwise it'll cut. Right. Just like like, any stropping action, right? Right, right, right.
1: So usually on my cami, if I'm using it to sharpen just like a beveled edge, I will go back and forth and use it like a scrubbing motion. You know, just back and forth from the tip to the heel. You can't do that um, with a convex, you really only have to go away from it. So, so start at the beginning of the stone at the heels, drop to the tip, or tip to heel, however you want to do it, and just rinse, repeat. Yep. You know, concentrate on concentrate on problem areas. Flip the knife back and forth until you get a terminal edge that's fairly even, and then do even strokes on both sides until it's totally
0: even. And then you can just drop the sandpaper, right. use the strop with a CBD or what? The CBN, CBN. Yeah, you totally could. I think CBD so much. Or else. yeah, <laughs> that's true. So,
1: so I mean, but but you could do this even if you had a chip out of your blade. I mean, well, if right. you had a, if you had like a huge chip you could definitely go right to the stones yeah, yeah, at that and point and then you and then you can house. use your convexing rod with with sandpaper to smooth out to smooth out the the the, the, the bevel that you're going to put in with it and 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 have it come down to a nice terminal convex edge.
0: Now, that being said, mm-hmm. uh, I know what was the guy's name who asked the question? Um his name is Luke Hagen. Luke, okay. So Luke, I know that you're on the fence or contemplating purchasing the KME right now. That being said, the convexing rod does work with the tips that Jim just laid out. Now, I'm sure you have other knives in the house that aren't convex, kitchen knives, pocket knives, whatever it is. So, absolutely we recommend the system. But, I just got off the phone with Jake at KME Sharpeners and they are coming out with a dedicated convexing device, if you will, even <laughs> sure. further beyond it's it's close to what Jim was describing and it is probably about a month away on the horizon. They're right there. They're like Ooh. the nutty professor. They're they they won't put it out until they're absolutely proud of it and they feel like it functions flawlessly and they're right there so they're doing the final tunes on there so get the system and it is a product that you can always just buy and add to your system so you can get the system at any time and then you can add that dedicated convexing attachment which is going to be the feline's hindquarters I I, mean it's going to be pretty sweet I do
1: know for a fact that I'm picking up one of these things because I guess Um, and, and it's just a, it's just a function of where I work. Most of my knives are bark rivers and most, and most of my knives I, I, I convert to convex like my paramilitary too. It's convex Convex, all the way down. Yeah. It's full height ground, you know, convex all the way down. So I'll be using it to maintain that for sure. And at home it's great. Um, I, I really don't know of a better system that can do it at the price that they do it at. It's fantastic. No, I mean, it's, it's a working really good. man's tool. And yep. so,
0: you know, it's a working man's tool that gets professional results. And, and yep. that is what makes it kind of a unicorn. And this isn't like an ad for them as much as just a belief in the product. So it's... Uh, I. I you can pay 700 bucks on a wicked edge. Uh, I think wicked edges are awesome. They are spendy and they're mm-hmm. great for setting up a professional shop, but if yep. you're a guy who or a gal who has knives and you want to keep them like absolutely ridiculously razor keen, anything from this uh, you uh, slip. I have an edge yeah. on that from it to yep. my Sabenza to, you know, my other big knives. Yeah, it, so. it's,
1: it's, it's very, very versatile. I mean, mm. and I, know, I mean, I know that you, I guarantee that you probably have more knives than just the Bark Rivers. Oh, so, right. I mean, so, so, so it, it, this is like a well rounded tool, especially with the add on that's coming out in a month from KME. Yep. So, so yeah, there you go. Yep. Excellent, excellent question, Luke. Thank you, good. Thank you so much, sir. Next question. Next. Next question. We have <clears throat> Eric Kirksey. First, I would like to say that I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I have several that I listen to regularly, but anytime I see that you have put out a new one, I will stop in the middle of one to listen to yours.
0: Woo, thank thank you.
1: you. Thank you, Eric. That's awesome to hear, man. Anyway, I was wondering, what your what is your thoughts on black blade coatings? Mine always gets scratched and scuffed within a couple of weeks, and I end up stripping it off within a couple of months. Also, I'm curious about purchasing knives on Amazon or other like websites. I'm always nervous when I see a $225 knife on Amazon for $100. Are these knives factory seconds or worse, fakes, and do you think it is better to pay the extra money to guarantee quality and authenticity? Also, on a side note, I do appreciate you trying to keep the cussing at a minimum. <laughs> I failed that one earlier. Yeah, we try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I apologize for that. I, I am going back and I am I am auto-ducking that for for the kids. Totally understand. Um, I do listen to this occasionally with my children in the car and not having to worry about 100 F-bombs and GD. This makes that much more enjoyable. Thanks again for the excellent work you guys do. Eric Kirksey. Thank you again, sir.
0: Great question. Man, Uh, Matt... Do you want to take point on this? What do you think of black blade coatings? Uh, black blade coatings are not for people with any form of OCD. Uh, I have no problem with them personally, but as soon as your knife looks used and you freak out, then let's just skip the whole thing and go with a satin or a blasted blade or tumbled or something like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: so, something a little bit smoother. Because um, they do wear. Uh, the only yep. thing
0: that really doesn't wear, and this is a God's honest truth, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the black tea finish on Emerson's. Yeah. That's pretty tough. The DLC on ZTs, okay. insane. I wonder if those are PVD coatings, like, like something that they use. The, on the DLC of- has got to be close to a PVD, <clears throat> right. like on a molecular right. level, yeah. you know, because it's insanely, insanely durable. I was like, oh, cool. I've got ceramic media. I've got rocks. I've got all this stuff in my tumbler. I want to blackwash this 0560 I got. Yeah. And I threw it in the tumbler and it did nothing. So I <laughs> left it in there overnight oh, yeah. and I pulled it out and I wiped it off with WD-40. It looked brand new. Oh, and I was like, okay. oh, my God, I had a sandblast oh. tiger stripes in it because I just wanted something different. Right. Um, but you know, once you do scratch them, they're scratched. And so yeah. if you're OCD at all, then just skip it. However, they do inhibit rust. You um, know what I mean? These coatings do. Even on stainless steels, they still are a rust mm-hmm. inhibitor. Um, and so they do serve a function, low reflectivity if that's your bag. Uh, but... Honestly, if you're the slightest bit OCD, just skip it entirely.
1: If, if it's something that you know that's going to bother you, yeah, <clears throat> um, I've seen lots of black blade coatings. I've seen lots of stuff. We used to we used to do that a little bit. Our um, Bravo Necker one, two, and our STS series right in the beginning uh, of of all of those runs, the STS three, four, five, six, and seven. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe we had that many. Um, Those were all powder-coated to some degree. Oh, see, now I hate powder-coating. And powder-coating was the worst. It it, it really was. I mean, like, you want to talk about something that looks really, really awesome until you use it and then it chips... It, yeah, it and looks just nasty. Like, uh, it
0: turns like red and brown from trees and stuff yes, like that. it's terrible. It reduces uh-huh. – it increases your friction coefficient. Yep, yep. So you end up having more drag on your blade. So not only does it look like garbage, but it makes your knife perform worse. Yeah. Yeah, so I see absolutely no purpose other than rust in, in inhibitor. Rust, you know, rust inhibition, yeah. Rust, yeah, rust, yeah. Rust Pariah. Were you going to say Rust Pariah? I think I was. <laughs> <laughs> rust in, rust um, inhibition, yeah. What's the other one? Saracote uh, uh coat, I hear, is very good. Not a fan, but it no. is self lubricating. Yeah, it's true. Uh, So uh, it's, it's, it goes on like a paint. It, 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 it's it does. It's as thin as a paint. And it, it bakes so, on. It yep. is, mm. they put it on with an airbrush, typically. Yeah, we, know, I think we, that's only we, we were
1: looking at seracoding <laughs> things ourselves, but the, but the only way we could have made it economical for Coating stuff was for us to actually buy heating elements on Amazon and construct an oven yep. that held like 300 knives yep. at a time. I mean, and, and because because the bake times like three hours versus versus powder coat's bake time was fifteen minutes or and, less. And I like to no. cook a knife
0: once. Yes, for heat treat. Once. I don't like throwing it in because some some knives are more sensitive to, than others in their temper. Mm-hmm. Now true. most of the stuff cures at three hundred degrees, which is pretty tolerable. You really get in yeah. trouble around four or five hundred degrees yes. on just about every knife steel. But I, at, for me, it's just not my bag. I, uh, I would say, in order of coatings. Specifically applied coatings, it would be DLC, Saracoat, you know, Saracoat, molybdenum coat, like right. all those, and then right. uh, powder coat. And then spray paint (laughs) (laughs) rustoleum
1: would be on there. Yeah, Um, Um, I was pretty impressed with PVD coating.
0: Yes, I I was on my on these uh, on the rings on my watch, which is a terrible example. These are PVD, right? And they're worn now, but it has taken years of everyday use in the shop and just scraping your hand on everything. can. yeah. And otherwise, they're still black. You know, yeah. No,
1: it's it's pretty cool. We we did get one blade PVD coated, and uh, the the thing the thing for us is that the blade. Has to be perfect because any sort of any sort of scratch or blemish mm. or polish issue that you have um, when you went under there, well, it may look fine until, uh, you know, you know, under like a nice satin glow until you get a PVD coated, And then it looks like garbage oh. because there's scratches everywhere. No, oh, that's <laughs> so, interesting. So it's still and, fine. Oh, but, yeah. but it's super fine. But the thing is, I still have that blade somewhere and there's still not a scratch on it. Really? Oh yeah, Still no no. Up. It was it was awesome. Yeah. It's the same kind of tooling that they use around like carbide end mills. Oh wow. And and it comes in like three different colors. It was like a cobalt blue, like a like a like a like a like a 2000 Kelvin degree yellow, okay. just like it was like really really like yeah. dark golden and then and then it came in black.
0: Oh wow. So it cool.
1: it was it was pretty slick. Expensive? Uh not terribly expensive. It's actually pretty economical. Oh, if you okay. could if you could if Matt, I would recommend it to you if you could do three perfect grinds yeah. on knives that are totally perfect with no scratches, get them PvD coated and you'll like it. Oh, that's cool. I, I really do think that you that, that you could dig it. Oh, I'd like to check that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I may do that. No, oh, so. I will re- remind me again, I know the guy that does it here locally. Oh, there's a guy locally? Uh or well within an hour's drive. Oh, that means that's yeah, local to me. But yeah. that that's pretty local. But yeah, cool. he, he we were actually buying tooling for him for the CNC machines. Sweet. So, so he also does PvD coating as part of as part of his business package. Gotcha. So yeah, awesome.
0: we, yeah, definitely check that out. Okay. Um so. Oh, yeah. there was another question in there. there um, oh, oh, oh um, Amazon. Amazon Knives. Uh, Amazon, yeah. I think, is actually pretty safe compared to yep. eBay, uh, which we just covered. Now, what's on Amazon is a lot of what we call kitchen table dealers. Yeah. So they, they buy from yeah. big distributors and then sell. So they, they yeah. are pretty authentic. Now, what you're saying is let's use a Co paramilitary too. What is the MSRP on this good, sir? I want to say for like two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks is my guess. Yeah. I'd
1: have to look it up. Should, and, I, should and, I Amazon this?
0: Yeah, please, if you don't mind. No. And what I'm going to do is illustrate a point: is that there is a difference between the manufacturer's suggested retail price and what we in the industry call street value, and that's why you'll see a lot on dealers. It'll it'll be like, oh, you know, discounted, you know, sixty percent, because that's the the value, and that has a lot to do with some internals as far as map pricing or lack thereof but mm-hmm. what a nice so, worth is what it's worth regardless of what the MSRP specifically so what's a spread right. pm2
1: uh anywhere from 10985 to 15297 is it on amazon
0: it's on amazon no i mean on spiderco's website on, oh and spiderco's website if you if you oh, go yeah. to spiderco's website and the reason they do this guys is so that the manufacturer isn't competing with their dealers so the manufacturer will sell it at not an inflated price, but they're gonna sell it higher than their dealers, so that their dealers have a better chance of making that sale. So when you see stuff like this the Spiderco PM two, which we know know is on Amazon for one oh nine to one fifty, on Spiderco's website it is Buffering. Two oh
1: nine ninety five. And that's and that's in uh
0: S30V. That's an S30V. Yeah, so that's I a mean, standard bone yeah, stock, right?
1: Yeah, an S110V. Okay, just 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 as just as an example, the S110V paramilitary 2, which I might get actually. It's not bad. It's two fifty four ninety five on Spyderco's website on Amazon. The exact same knife is one hundred and fifty two ninety seven.
0: So there you go. That's the yeah. difference between manufacturer's suggested retail price and street price. Now, yeah. if you go to a dealer, you probably can expect a little bit higher price point. Um, just because dealers, like real estate, like, look, you look at kniveshipfree.com, mm-hmm. dlttrading.com, uh, blade HQ. Yep. You knife know, Center. Knife Center. Yep, so mm-hmm. all these guys, they have to maintain a brick and mortar store. Yeah. And with that brick and mortar store come added costs. Yeah. They have a staff. They yep. have
1: a mm-hmm. server. They have like all this oh, stuff. Oh, they, they have the power and they have, they have they have power and water and
0: rent and yes. and,
1: and mortgage. and You know what the else time.
0: they have? What's that? They have a phone. And when you call uh, them right. and say, I have a problem with this knife, they're an authorized dealer and they can take care of you. Yes. So you get a little peace of mind from them. You buy directly from Spyderco. Yes, you get the customer service. You're going to pay double the street price for it because they don't compete with their dealers. Mm-hmm. But you call one of the dealers. And you purchase a knife from them, you're going to pay more than Amazon because you get the customer service and they have their bills to cover. You Mm -hmm. buy from Amazon, it's a legitimate product, but you're buying from a guy who is probably drop shipping or ordering them, keeping them in the closet right next to his boots. And I'm not, you know, uh, poo-pooing on these guys. I'm just saying that that's this is how it operates. They don't have a brick and mortar. They sell strictly on Amazon. They have less overhead. So you buy from them. Now, the customer service is anybody's guess because they're not as right. established as the bigger, as right. The bigger companies. Right, the right. Bigger I, I, well,
1: the, the mom-and-pop shops are kind of hoping that the customer service people are going to immediately just go right to the manufacturer Yes, that, yes. Is, yeah. is what they're kind of hoping for. But if you have a problem with a transaction or something and you go right to them and they've already spent the money because they don't sell a whole lot of product, in fact, they've drop-shipped it from a different distributor, yes. and, and you're just dealing with maybe one person just kind of running the show. But... And, uh, yeah. and uh, but I've I've also seen successes where people do a good job at that and still and still and still make money. But but there's a certain amount of peace of mind about buying from a, like an authorized retailer.
0: Yeah, a brick and mortar. A, there's a some legitimacy mortar, yeah. to their company and their model. So I, I mean, I would. Uh, recommend either or look, I've bought knives off Amazon, um, but for a real calculated purchase, I recommend going to a brick and mortar dealer and picking up a knife from them. The experience is worth it too. A lot of times you get to interact with somebody on an individual basis, but Amazon, you're pretty safe. You're safer on Amazon than you are on eBay as far as counterfeits go.
1: Alright. Alright. Well I think that uh, I think that closes it off okay. for, for today. Uh thank you guys so much for another great episode. We're gonna be back later this week with a much a much bigger episode. A meteor
0: episode. Uh, yeah, and
1: it's very cool. We have more Q and A's coming your way. We've got a really nice tech tip segment coming up. And you guys, this is Jim Stewart signing off for Matt Martin of Behind the Blade Podcast episode what? Seventeen. Seventeen. Take it easy. Thank you everybody for listening to behind the blade podcast episode 17 jim stewart signing off for matt martin we will see you guys next week do not forget forget to like share comment and subscribe everything that you see on every single social media platform that we've got and uh, hey you know what on our website we've got this handy little donate button if you really like to uh to, to show your support to us any amount works from one cent all the way up to five hundred dollars you know who you are that wants to give that five hundred dollars absolutely you can do that directly through that donate button and you can check out our website at Uh Check us out on our Facebook group, or not another group, but our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash podcast. Make sure you hit that like button there as well. We will see you guys next week.